there, and welcome to the 13th edition of the Stay Frosty Parkrun podcast. I'm Emu, and I'll be your host for the next 20 minutes or so, whilst I talk to you about night running, introduce a new star parkrunner, a featured parkrunner of the week, and update my Christmas calendar. And as always, I'll be filling you in on our latest parkrun exploits. If you'd like to get in touch and share your stories, feel free to drop me an email on stayfrostyparkrun at gmail.com or pop onto my Facebook page and say hi. It would be great to hear from you or hear some of your parkrunning anecdotes or adventures that you've had. First up, I'm going to look at something which I feel has been gaining popularity of late, and that is night running. It might just be because I've been seeing more of them advertised online, or possibly because Jay and I took part in one not that long ago. So we took part in the 5k supernova night run at the Queen Elizabeth Olympic Park in London, and I have to say, despite being injured at the time, it was a lot of fun. Each of the participants had at least a headlamp, and a lot of people wore bright colours and or lights of their own in the form of glow sticks or other wearable lights. The headlamp actually was part of the uh, running kit, so everyone had a headlamp which would glow either white or red, depending on if you wanted to wear it on your front or your back. Some people enjoy the thrill of running at night, some people would rather not be seen running during the day, so they prefer to run at night, and for others, running in the dark, especially in the winter, is just when it can be fitted into your busy schedule. I'm not currently aware of any park runs which do a, a night run special event, but if you know about any, please let me know. As far as I'm aware, all the UK park runs are done in the morning. I do like the idea that some park runs might hold special nighttime events, maybe for Halloween or other celebratory evening events, safety allowing, of course, depending on the, the course that you run. Which brings me very nicely onto the first and most important, seg- important segment about night running, and that is safety. As Active.com puts it, safety first, then fitness. Night running obviously comes with certain risks, so it is best if you can keep these to a minimum by being prepared before you go out. First and foremost, it's a good idea to leave your music at home. You may be used to running with music, but by taking away that extra sense, you might miss traffic sounds or be less aware of the environment around you. Stick to well-lit routes. This applies to urban night running. If your regular route is more interesting but has no street lamps, then it increases your risk of missing something under your feet and injuring yourself, or stepping in dog mess, as all of us probably have done and absolutely hate. A well-lit route might mean running along a larger road or a slightly less exciting one, but it gives you the advantage of of better sight and more awareness all around, especially if you've not got your music with you as well. This can be supplemented by a headlamp, which can help you to light the way if it's if there are still sort of dark areas, especially on if you're running on a bright route and you're going, you know, you're doing certain turns or going down little uh, passageways or something like that. You might find that there's some dark areas on your route, so if you've got a headlamp, this just helps you be a bit more aware of what's coming up in front of you, especially at this time of year when the leaves are dropping off the trees and it can make it a bit slippery underfoot. If you can see where you're going with a headlamp, then you can avoid those areas on the path. For training runs in the dark, it's also a good idea to keep your route simple, and as Active.com recommends, doing a 10k run made up of smaller laps means you don't have to run so far away from your starting point, and also makes it easier for you to tell someone else where you're going to be running in case they need to come and find you for any reason whatsoever. The route that I often do for training, when I'm fit and able to do so, is around a cemetery grounds not far from my home, and there's adequate street lighting to see in the dark all the way around it, And I know that one lap is nearly exactly a mile, so three laps makes up to about 5k. 
And I can alter this lap by adding little bits onto it so that I don't have to do six laps, which might get a bit tedious, if I wanted to run further, like 10k or something like that. As well as making sure that you can see, you also want to be seen by other road users. Wearing bright or reflective clothing is a good way to achieve this. It's also a good idea to wear a light or something similar on your person so that people can see you even when there isn't a headlamp or something similar shining on you. So not just by reflection of other people's light, but by having your own lights, people will be more aware of where you are. Especially if, you're, if you've got a light on or if you've got more than one light on, the tradition dictates that you should have a clear or a yellow light on your front when for going forwards and a red light on your back. This way, if someone sees you from quite a distance and they can't tell which way you're running, they might be able to tell from the fact that you've got a red light that you're running away from them or that you've got a white light, therefore you're running towards them. To prevent injury, it's also a very good idea to warm up and cool down. This goes for all runs, regardless of night running or whatever. If you include a walking warm-up or a gentle jog before you start your workout, you'll be less likely to pull a muscle or twist an ankle, which might be more likely at night, if, especially if you're not totally aware of your surroundings. It is sensible to try and run on roads which have pavements and don't have too much traffic on them, but the compromise here is obviously the roads that have less traffic on them might not be as well lit, so you just have to find a balance there. Um, if you do have to run in the road or on narrow paths for any stretch, you should run towards the oncoming traffic so that you can see each other, which makes accidents much less likely. Ideally, you want to check your route out in the daylight once or twice before you run it in the dark, uh, because the more familiar with the route you are, the less likely you are to come across something unexpected. Also, the more you know your route, then, for example, like I said about the build-up of leaves, which happens quite a lot of this time of year, you know which sections of the path to run on to avoid the big build-ups of leaves. There is also safety in numbers, so if you can run with a friend or family member or even a running group, all the better. It's also a very good idea to carry a mobile phone with you, whether, you, whether you're on your own or in a group, and having some form of ID is also recommended by some websites, e.g. a driving licence or an emergency contact number on you, just in case. Finally, when it comes to safety, it's a good idea to go with your instincts. If you feel a little nervous running in a certain area, you can alter your route or just turn and go back the way you came. It's surprising how often your intuition can turn out to have something to it, so always go with your gut instincts. If something feels a bit unsafe or you're a bit nervous about running down a certain path, maybe best avoid it and then come back and check it out during the day, or, or just avoid it altogether or change your route. Always better to be safe than sorry. Now we have our safety out of the way, it's time to start looking at some of the benefits of night running. So I've talked about running in the morning before, and most of the year, running in the morning means as light it gets light as you're running so that darkness isn't really an issue. But at this time of year, and as we get towards Christmas with the shortest day, running in the morning can also mean running in the dark. Looking at evening running, some people find it easier, as you've already been awake all day, whereas the motivation needed to get out of bed early in the morning, as opposed to hitting the snooze button over and over again, which we've all done, especially when it's cold, can be very, very difficult, so I can understand why some people prefer to run in the evening for this reason. Also, if you run in the evening, some studies have shown that you sleep better having done some exercise just before going to bed. And that's according to nighttechgear.com. Don't worry, I'll be putting all these websites up on my Facebook page again after, after the podcast. I've also read that some people feel like they're going faster with seemingly less effort, which may be due in part to the fact that you can't see as far ahead when you're doing night running, and things closer to you appear to rush by faster than those further away. By running in the evening, you can also make sure you're properly fuelled by eating the right things during the day, before your run, 
Whereas running in the morning, you either have to get up extra early to make sure you eat something sensible or you just skip what you skip eating altogether and then eat after you've been for your run. People will be more willing to meet up in the evening than they are at 6am. I think that's a given. That you've probably got more night owls than you have morning people around. So to that end, running can be potentially more of a social event if you're running in the evening. There are even websites which help people to meet up for an evening run. You can search for these or look on my Facebook page where I'll be including, like I say, all these web pages that I've mentioned in the podcast. I particularly like reading an article by wildrunning.co.uk which talks about the joys of night running. Seri Rees in this article describes night running in a way which appealed to absolutely any runner. So they say, Running at night is a great leveller. By day you may feel like you are sleepwalking through familiar landscapes. Darkness, however, will force the rush of blood to your senses. For runners in the evening it is time to wake up. Reduced visibility brings an element of doubt which works itself into your psyches like a primeval spanner. What, ensu- what ensues can deepen the experience as our imaginations reach new heights and we have to forge new associations. A bridge can become a refuge as well as a convenience. A reflection in a reservoir becomes a beacon. They go on to mention some safety issues as well as recommendations for lights that you can wear out on your night runs. Looking at some upcoming night run events, there are Chase the Moon events which start at 7pm at the Queen Elizabeth Olympic Park in December, January, February and March. After this, they turn into Chase the Sun events as the days begin to get longer again. There are also some night runs organised by the National Trust where the entry fee will go to helping support the land that you're actually running on, so that's quite a nice worthy cause there. Uh, The Time Outdoors website has a lot of different runs on offer, and if you search for night runs, some of the ones which pop up include so Santa in the City on Thursday the 6th of December, which starts at 7pm, which is a 5km race in London. uh, Buratour Noir 10k, 2k or 1k trail race on Saturday the 1st of December, starting at 4.30pm, which is in Yelverton, Devon, or near Yelverton, Devon. The Moonlit Flit 1K Trail Race on Saturday the 19th of January, starting at 5pm in Rangerton, Devon. There's a Yule Jog 5 or 10 kilometres starting at 6pm on the 1st of December in London. And also Grisdale Night Runner 10K in Ambleside, Cumbria on the 1st of December, which starts at 7pm. Again, I've just picked out a couple there to sort of uh, whet your appetite, but if you want to see more of these, by all means have a look at the websites that I'm going to put on my Facebook page or have a search on the internet yourself because there are plenty of these events around at the moment. And now it's time for my Star Park Runner. This week, due to a lack of nominations, I have picked someone from the same park run that I did this week who has achieved a new PB. So I want to say a very well done to... Angela! Today was her 15th park run at South Norwood and she managed to run a new PB in a fantastic time of 27 minutes and 55 seconds. Seven seconds quicker than her previous PB. Well done Angela, keep up the good work. If you'd like to nominate someone for a Star Park Runner drumroll and hear them mentioned on my podcast, just drop me a message on the Facebook page or send an email to stayfrostyparkrun at gmail.com. So on to my featured park run. This week's featured park run is going to be Medina Park Run on the Isle of Wight, currently the only park run on the Isle of Wight. 
Although this was the park run where I injured the tendons of my left foot, I did very much enjoy this park run event right up until that point. It's located just north of Newport on the side of the Medina, the main river on the Isle of Wight, and it's run in Sea Close Park. If you're staying in Newport, you can now walk uh, if you're staying in Newport, sorry, you can walk to the run, or if you're elsewhere on the island, there are many bus routes that run into Newport. So if you're coming over from Cowes, you can catch the number one bus, from Ryde, the number nine bus, and then from Newport bus station, if you don't want to walk that far, it's it's not that far, it's, it took me and Jay about 20-25 minutes, but you could catch the number five, number nine, number 25, or number 23 buses, which all stop at Medina Leisure Centre, which is the closest, closest stop to this park run. The Medina Park Run is an event run on grass, stony tracks, tarmac and dirt paths. I really enjoyed the variety of surfaces when I ran this one. There are no major hills at this park run, however the course does undulate up and down throughout the run as you run in and out of the Arboretum especially. You run two laps of this course and the undulations as I call them will feel more pronounced on your second lap. So like I say, it's quite little sharp ups and downs on this one. I didn't notice them too much until the second lap. Obviously, after I injured myself, they suddenly became a much bigger thing. After the run, people who want to can go for a coffee at the Sunflower Cafe on Halbury Lane. All are welcome to join that one. I must admit to not being aware of the bathroom facilities at this one, because I didn't make use of them myself when I was there. But on the plus side, facility-wise, the organisers very sensibly put down a plastic tarp for everyone's belongings to go onto. So if it's raining or if it's a bit muddy, your stuff won't get too wet or muddy. Volunteer numbers at this run have been as low as 7 and as high as 61, but they usually vary between about 30 and 40. The largest event held here had exactly 400 runners, and that was on the 23rd of December in 2017, so Christmas Eve, and the smallest one was 17 on the 2nd of July 2011. In recent times, the number has varied between about 250 and 300 runners, although the latest event only had 197 people taking part. That might be because there may have been another event going on on the island or something like that. The last time that Jay and I were there and took part in it, there was actually a uh, Isle of Wight marathon going on the next day. So there were a lot of volunteers who were going to be taking part in that marathon the next day who didn't run on the day. To date, there have been 384 events at this park run, making the start date way back on the 7th of May 2011. I say way back because when I was running it myself, I wasn't actually aware that it had been running for so long. So this one's been going for over seven years now, so it's a well-established park run. As I mentioned at the time, I enjoyed this park run very much, and I'm very much looking forward to having another go at it without the injury. Next time Jay and I are visiting my nan, we'll go down and have a go at it again. Once again, that noise means it's time to update my Christmas calendar. If I haven't mentioned your local park run on this segment and you'd like to hear it announced, just drop me a message and I'll happily include it in the podcast next week. This week, however, I'm very pleased to announce that Conkers Park Run in northwest Leicestershire has 9am starts for its Christmas Day and its New Year's Day Park Run. Glossop Park Run also has a 9am start for Christmas and New Year's Day events. Elgin Park Run in Scotland is starting their Christmas Day event at 9.30 and their New Year's Day event at 11am. Chelmsford Central Park Run has a Christmas Day event at 9am and a New Year's Day event starting at 10.30am. 
Roding Valleys Park Run starts at 9am on Christmas Day and 10.30am on New Year's Day. Skipton Park Run in Yorkshire and the Humber starts their Christmas Day event at 9.30am and their New Year's Day event at 9am. Hilly Fields Christmas Day Park Run starts at 9am and their New Year's Day event starts at 10am. Tilgate Park Run has events for Christmas Day and New Year's Day, both starting at 9am. Plym Valley Park Run starts their Christmas Day event at 10am and their New Year's Day one at 9am. And finally for this week, Peacehaven Park Run has a Christmas Day event at 9.30am and a New Year's Day event at 10.30am. As I've said, if you'd like me to mention your local park run in next week's Christmas calendar, just send me an email or drop me a message and I'll be only too happy to include it. Also, if you're planning on doing the double, let me know which two park runs, and when I say the double I mean the two, two on the same day on New Year's Day, let me know where you're going to be doing that and what the plan is, and I will happily include that on the Christmas calendar as well. Moving on to our park runs for this week. So this week, my sister Nikki, she ran at Barking Park Run, her home park run, and she was taking it a little bit easy, she said, because uh, she had a, she feels like she's got a bit of a bug, so she was just making sure she didn't push it too hard. She ran in 25 minutes and 19 seconds. I still think that's absolutely stunningly fast, so if that's taking it easy, I don't think I'm ever going to catch her. Jay and I both ran at South Norwood this week. Jay ran in a time of 29 minutes and 47 seconds, and I ran a time of 29 minutes exactly. It was raining as we walked there, it was raining as the run started, and it stopped raining pretty soon after we started, but it was still very wet underfoot today, so we were both quite happy to go under 30 minutes. I have to admit, I was especially happy to be back in front of Jay. My foot's not 100% yet, but it's aching a lot less than it has been of late, so I'm hoping that I'm on the mend and back on the path to... Uh, running better times as I go on. I'd like to take this opportunity to say a big thank you to James and Katie for writing the run report this week, and also a massive thank you to all the volunteers and the organisers, because I know it was quite tricky to get enough volunteers for the run this week. Next week, Jay and I are planning to do an experimental park run, which is one where we don't tell each other which park run each of us is planning to go and do, so we just get up in the morning and go off to our respective park runs, which may or may not be the same one, we'll see, and then see what kind of times we can do at those. We're calling it our Mystery Park Run Week, and it'll be the first time we've attempted it, so it could be interesting. I'll let you know how it goes, of course, next week. And speaking of next week, also next week I'm going to be looking at High Hills. So it's going to be a special dedicated episode of my podcast to the hilly, hilliest park runs in the country. If your local park run is an especially hilly one, or if you think it's uh, got some crazy cliffs in it, or some very nice undulations, I'd like you to get in touch and let me know all about it. Could end up being my featured park run of the week. If you've got any other anecdotes you'd like to share at all, feel free to drop me an email, stayfrostyparkrun at gmail.com, or to go on the Facebook page and send me a message or leave a comment on my wall. I'd love your input, I'd love to hear your comments, or any links you want to share, I'm happy to share those on my Facebook page as well. Well, there's nothing else for me to say today, except um, I hope everyone's had a really good park run today, and I hope no one was battling weather that was too adverse today. Um, have a great week. Stay frosty, park runners, and I'll see you all next week. <laughs>